0: Welcome to the Students of Surgery podcast series where we shed light on common surgical topics.
1: Welcome back to our podcast series. Today we have Dr. Show Morrison from the Vascular Surgery Department and Steve Beaker Academic Hospital. And we're going to be talking about abdominal aortic aneurysms. Welcome, Dr. Morrison. Hi, Prof. Thank you so much for having me today. What is an abdominal aortic aneurysm? Okay, so
0: the definition of an aneurysm is a focal dilatation of a vessel to at least one and a half times its normal size. Uh, some other important definitions which I think uh, one needs to clarify, sp- particularly for the student's uh, advantage, is that of arteriomegaly and an vessel. So if we say that a, an aneurysm is dil- a di- focal dilatation to one and a half times at least the normal size then an ectatic vessel is one which is also focally dilated but to less than one and a half times its normal size. So if one takes the aorta for example and we assume that the normal diameter of the aorta is two centimetres, an ectatic aorta would then be anything from 2.1 to 2.9 centimetres and an aneurysm of the aorta would then be anything from three centimetres and up.
1: And what Uh, is arteriomegaly?
0: So arteriomegaly is when there's a generalized dilatation of the vessel as opposed to a focal dilatation which is when you start thinking of an aneurysm or even an ectatic vessel.
1: So why do people get aneurysms?
0: 90% of the aneurysms which we are confronted with in our population are degenerative aneurysms. What that means is that there's a proteolytic uh, enzymatic process which occurs in the media of the vessel. In which case, there's, uh, the striking feature is that there's the degradation of the elastin and collagen, which are the constituent uh, proteins in the, in the vessel wall. Now, this process is done or was undertaken by matrix metalloproteinases, particularly MMP2, 3, 9, and 11. Other features which, which uh, are noted histopathologically are that there's an accumulation of lipids in foam cells, calcification of the media as well as the adventitia cholesterol crystal formation and also rupture of the intimal and medial layers and all these in combination will then lead to weakening of the aortic wall then thus render it uh, susceptible to the effects of the blood pressure
1: are there any other reasons why people get aneurysms
0: There are a few. Uh, Just in summary, um, connective tissue disorders such as Malfin's disease, for example Ehlers-Danlos disease. Uh, Infective aneurysms also occur, particularly in our environment. HIV is rife. Uh, Inflammatory aneurysms such as those which occur in patients with Takayasu's disease. And then also if if a patient who's undergone instrumentation, it's important to remember that they may have actually a pseudo-aneurysm of their aorta.
1: Now that you've mentioned a pseudoaneurysm, what is a pseudoaneurysm?
0: So a pseudoaneurysm is an aneurysm in which all three the wall layers of the vessel are not involved in the aneurysmal process as opposed to a true aneurysm where you have all three the uh, the layers being affected being the intima, the media and the adventitia.
1: What are risk factors for developing an abdominal aortic aneurysm?
0: With regards to our run-of-the-mill degenerative aneurysm. Uh, the risk factors usually are male gender, age above 60, hypertension, hypercholesterolemia and the major one that we need to uh, remember in this day and age is smoking.
1: Is there a place for screening patients uh, for triple A's?
0: Yes there is. Uh, for example in the United States all males from the ages of 65 to 75 are screened. and with with regards to the United Kingdom, males, all males above the age of 65 are entered into a screening program annually.
1: How do patients usually present that have a triple A?
0: So what we must always remember is that the majority of AAAs are asymptomatic and are found incidentally by either ourselves or colleagues from other departments while either investigating or examining patients for other pathology. The natural history of AAA, however, is expansion and that will generally lead to pain or compression on surrounding structures. So with that in mind, uh, these patients may present with abdominal pain, they may present with back pain from erosion onto the spine, they may present with recurrent UTIs from compression on the ureters, they may present with uh, an upper GI bleed from an aortoenteric fistula from from the compression onto the duodenum they may also present with something which we call trash foot, which is basically when, they, when the mural thrombus or plaque from the aneurysmal sac itself has now embolized distally into the legs and caused ischemia of the toes or the digits and in some cases even the entire lower leg.
1: And how do patients present if have got a ruptured AAA?
0: The classical triad of, rupt- of presentation for ruptured AAA is one which consists of abdominal pain an expansile abdominal mass, and also hypotension. In some cases, the patients may even present with loss of consciousness.
1: And what is the mortality rate of someone who has a ruptured AAA?
0: So the mortality rate is incredibly high. Uh, once it's ruptured, the mortality rate leads, is up to 90%. And of those, about 70% of patients will already be dead prior to arrival at the hospital. And 90% of them prior to arrival in the OR even.
1: Are AAA's
0: associated with any other aneurysms? Yes, they are. Um, there is an association with between AAA and popliteal artery aneurysms, where about 30% of popliteal artery aneurysms will have an associated AAA, or will be associated with an abdominal aortic aneurysm. For that reason, it's important for us not to just examine the abdomen when it comes to a patient with a AAA. You, one should be a good doctor and examine the entire vascular tree. Also, what's important to remember is HIV tends to give you aneurysms in abnormal places, so carotid artery, uh, you can look at the, at the legs and you, you may find a, an aneurysm in the superficial femoral artery, for example. So it's always important to bear in mind that HIV can present with aneurysms in atypical places.
1: How does one diagnose a AAA?
0: In order to diagnose a AAA, the history is always, it's usually a typical one in a patient with risk factors, such as, for example, as we've mentioned earlier, an old male who is hypertensive, who is a smoker, who does have hypercholesterolemia. The typical history is one of acute abdominal pain, and then one would usually confirm that with examination findings, which are usually a hypotensive patient in shock with an expansile abdominal mass and then of course one would then have to confirm your history and examination findings by imaging, either in the form of an ultrasound for, uh, or CT scan.
1: What is your approach to deciding when you're going to use an ultrasound and when are you going to use a CT scan?
0: Ultrasound is the gold standard for screening uh, in those countries which have screening programs in, in place, but the gold standard for diagnosis of of a triple A is a CT angiogram and the benefits of it are that it allows clear delineation of the anatomy of the aneurysm so it'll tell you if there are any of the splanchnic vessels coming off the aneurysm itself, it'll tell you whether your aneurysm is suprarenal, juxtarenal or infrarenal, it'll tell you if there's extension of the aneurysm into your iliac vessels and all this will assist you at the end of the day by allowing you to plan your intervention for the patient.
1: Is there a role for conventional angiograms?
0: There is a role for it, and that is usually in therapy.
1: What are the indications to offer treatment to these patients?
0: So there are a few indications. The first and most obvious one is a ruptured AAA. Uh, Then if we look at size, um, in males and females, there are different size criteria. In males, we use a cutoff size of 5.5 centimeters or larger. In females, we use a size cutoff of 5 centimeters. In terms of growth or expansion of the aneurysm, an expansion rate of 0.5 centimeters per 6 months or more, more than 1 cm per year is an acceptable one, or the, the generally used one for, for intervention. In terms of morphology, uh, this, the typical aneurysm which we are encountered with is a fusiform one but there is a variant called the sacular aneurysm and once you, are, once you are confronted with a sacular aneurysm that is, that is an indication for intervention as well bearing in mind that sacular aneurysms tend to rupture at smaller sizes than fusiform aneurysms and then of course there is the symptomatic aneurysm so any patient that with an aneurysm that complains of pain whether it be abdominal pain back pain Anyone who has distal embolization, so someone coming to you with a trash foot, anyone that comes with recurrent UTIs should be considered for intervention as well.
1: And once you've decided that the patient requires an intervention, what can we offer them?
0: There are two possibilities. We can either offer them conservative therapy or we can offer them an intervention, so an operation. Uh, Bearing in mind, conservative therapy is usually indicated where either where the risk of repair carries a high mortality rate or is unlikely to improve the, the life expectancy. And those inc- include um, uh, smoking cessation, best medical therapy in the form of an ACE inhibitor, aspirin, and also a statin. And then if you look at the operative uh, management, your option your options will be either open repair or an endovascular repair.
1: What are the operative options um, available to repair a AAA?
0: There are two options for surgical repair, the first being an open repair, the second being an endovascular repair. Traditionally, an open repair has been the go-to method for a younger patient who is more physiologically fit, whereas your endovascular repair has been traditionally reserved for an older patient who has comorbidities which may preclude them from undergoing a general anesthesia and also usually was reserved for the patient that had a shorter life expectancy.
1: What are the common complications after a AAA repair?
0: So there's a number of complications. Uh, one needs to be in mind that in order to, to repair AAA open, there's a necessity to cross-clamp the aorta. And that in itself may lead to a number of complications. To the bowel, which may become ischemic. If there may be an, an actual injury to the bowel. In the long term, they may fistulate. To the spinal cord, which may also be ischemic. And also to the lower limbs. You could embolize to the lower limbs. That's for open. And then, in terms of endovascular repair, there is a the concept of an endo leak, which is basically when you have either constant perfusion of the sac despite your intervention, and that's due to a number of reasons: uh, graft failure, graft porosity, inadequate sealing of either your proximal or your landing zones of your graft your, or your stent graft. Uh, being those are just some of the the possibilities for an endo leak.
1: Do you have any final comments around AAA for our students?
0: I think it's important for our students or our young doctors to remember that the patient is a whole and to approach the patient as a whole. Remember that you're not just dealing with a triple A. These patients, specifically vascular patients, they always have other disease processes as well. They're smokers so they tend to have ischemic heart disease, tend to have lung disease, specifically COPD. They usually have renal artery disease as well. So those are things, if you don't approach your patient as a whole, those are things you can miss and forget. They're they're easy to overlook and they they quite often will have drastic consequences for the patient.
1: Thank you very much for your time, Dr. Morrison. This edition of the Students of Surgery podcast has been produced by Tux FM.
0: Visit www.tuxfm.co.ca for young, fresh and relevant content. That was another edition of the Students of Surgery podcast series where we shed light on common surgical topics.